0: This morning we're going to be focusing on a text that has to do with the great provision of God. In fact, this passage is about a feast that is everything you've ever longed for in your life. So let's read about it from Luke 14, verses 15 through 24. When one of those reclining at table with him heard these things, Jesus confronting Jesus the Pharisees at the table. He said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread, eat the feast in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready, but they all alike begin to make excuses. The first said to him, I've bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. The Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, uh, five of oxen. <laughs> and I need to go examine them. Please excuse me. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came back and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry. And he said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and there's still room. And the master said to the servant, go out into the highways then and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. This passage happened at a dinner party, a kind of banquet thrown by one of the the prominent pharisees and we find in the first part of Luke 14 that Jesus comes to the party they're trying really to trap Jesus at the party to say something wrong or do something wrong but but you know how how Jesus is and the party's beginning to feel like Jesus is the one doing the trapping and he is And um, Jesus says to the Pharisees basically, the kingdom of God doesn't work the way you think it does. And verse 11 of Luke 14 kind of summarizes the confrontation of Jesus to these people. He says, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So, the the party's getting kind of hot to the touch, if you're a Pharisee. And and so, one of the Pharisees decides that he's going to try to change the subject. And he basically says something like this to Jesus. Hey, when we all get to heaven, what a, a glorious thing that will be, right? Everybody agrees about that, right? His literal words were, how blessed is the man who will eat the feast in the kingdom of God? And the feast in the kingdom of God is a happy subject to think about. It's that great feast that happens at the end of days, the feast of all feasts. God is the one who has provided everyone. The the lamb is there. Salvation is the theme and full provision for everyone. It is meaning. It is joy. It is fullness. Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. It will be everything that you have longed for. But who is going to be there? That's kind of the question. As Jesus tells this story about a master who throws a big feast, who's going to be there one day? Um, Jesus is basically saying to a bunch of preachers, there are people in this room right now who will not be in heaven. It's, it's stark. They think you're, You think you're going to be in heaven, you're not. That's what Jesus says. And then he tells the reason they won't be in heaven. The reason they won't be in heaven isn't because they are turbo adulterers or turbo thieves or, you know, just, you know, they're the, the dregs of society causing mayhem and they deserve to go to hell, etc. That's not it at all. No, they, they won't be there because they don't want the gift that God wants to give. I'd like you to process this passage through this sentence. You want to write it down? People who stuff themselves are not hungry for the feast of God's grace. Let me say it again. People who stuff themselves, or how about we say it this way? People who stuff, when we stuff ourselves, we're not hungry for the feast of God's grace. Why? Because we have stuffed ourselves with other things and we all know what stuffing ourselves with all kinds of things looks like everybody everybody here to try to find some meaning to try to find some peace to try to find some purpose and we've all been guilty of basically creating our own feast and sitting down to to eat this feast of our making when all along, God is providing everything we truly need through His Son. Could be money. Could be the things that money can buy that, oh man, if we, there are just three things if I had them, I would feel so good about myself and my my life would be made and it would just determine who I am and everybody would see it and know it. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Could be our hunger for relationship. Oh, if I just had this relationship. Oh, if I just had this person. If you're single, if I could just get married. Or if you, if I just had this person to be my friend. And everybody likes that person. Then they would like me. You know, all this stuff, stuff, stuff. Could be for security. Or the desire to control other people. And to feel like our lives are are in control. Could be that. It's the kind of power that we long for that everybody has their place and and everybody's defined by our place. Could be that we just desperately want to be liked by everybody. Hey, let me ask you the question this morning What is your feast of choice? What is your feast of choice? If you were asked that question, what are you banking on right now? I mean, really banking on to provide real meaning for your life, and you didn't give the Sunday school answer just immediately, what would it be? Do you all know what the Sunday school answer is, right? It's the word Jesus. You know, like when you're a child in Sunday school, and it doesn't matter what, you're pretty safe if you say Jesus. You know, like the the, the story of the Sunday school teacher who asked the, the first grade class, what is small, furry, eats nuts, and has a long tail and climbs trees. And the little boy said, you know, I, I would say it's a squirrel, but I think I'm going to go with Jesus. <laughs> so so can I ask you to put away the Sunday school answer, the automatic Sunday school answer? What's your real answer what's your, to the question, what's your banquet of choice? That's what this text is about. It's about what your real answer is. Jesus is the gift that is the feast. Jesus is the gift that is the feast. And Jesus has sent out an invitation to us. In Jesus' story that he tells the master of the the feast who is God, boy, he has outdone himself. This is an amazing feast. This is the symbol of the feast of the kingdom of God. And uh, everything is ready. And he sent out an invitation. Now you've got to understand, and the ESV captures this, the, the version we just read, he, he sent out a second invitation. He sent out word to those who had already said, oh yeah, I wanna, I'm, I'm down for that feast. I'm a Jew. I'm a Pharisee. I'm down for that feast. And um, he sends out this invitation. All is ready now. It's, it's ready now. It's hot and ready. Just come be with me. Come enjoy. You're not going to believe. And this is roughly equivalent in many ways to Jesus' words in Mark 1.15. The time has come. The kingdom of God is here The feast is ready. The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. Come and receive it, Jesus says. You don't have to bring anything. Don't be southern. Just show up with with empty hands and, and receive my feast. But you know, none of the master's friends want to come. People who stuff themselves are not hungry for the feast of God's grace. The story talks about people who are more interested in their assets than the feast of grace. That is, I bought a piece of property and I need to go look at it. I mean, what a lame excuse. you really think the guy bought the property without looking at it already? He just don't come. And so he's into his assets more than the feast. Some of them are into their businesses. I, I, bu- I bought five yoke of oxen. And I got to go look at my five yoke of oxen. You know, it's kind of like a trucking company. I just bought three trucks. And I need to go look at it. Do you really think this person hadn't already checked out the oxen? He just doesn't want to come. He just doesn't want to come. And then uh, someone's into a relationship more than the feast. Please excuse me, please excuse me. And the other one says, look, I got married, I couldn't come. Some of us understand that. Um, but there's no excuse either. Yes, I know, the Hebrew soldiers were allowed to take a year with their life, yada, yada, yada. But it doesn't say, it says you don't have to serve in the army. It doesn't say you can't go to a party. Especially when your friend is the one inviting you. These are lame excuses. Nobody in the text says, no way. I don't want to come to your party. Now they say very politely, no thanks. Would you please excuse me? Politely refusing God's grace because we have other good things that are functionally more important to us is something worth pondering. It was the 55th birthday party of Artemis Pierre Saxonly the 3rd. That's quite a name, isn't it? Artemis Pierre Saxonly the 3rd. Artie was his name. Artie was the grandson of Pierre Saxonly who a generation ago moved to town and, and opened up a store. And they worked so hard so that their son Art could go to the university and and he came home. art did the, the son of Pierre, first person to go to college. real great American story. Ca- came home and he, he married Martha and they had a family and, and art and Pierre worked together and art was a real entrepreneur and he bought several businesses, started business all across the city. Art was making more money than he knew what to do with, and he and Martha raised their children in a country club atmosphere. It's just amazing, able to put their kids through the finest schools. This is a long way from the day Pierre Saxonley hit town. Art's son Artie, you tracking with me? Pierre Art Artie. Art's son Artie, Artemis Pierre Saxonley the 3rd went off to the university and then to law school. He came home and married Cynthia, who was known by everybody as Baby. She had been named by her older sister when she was little and, and the name stuck. Baby had politely said no to, to, uh, to dating Artie in high school, but, but now she was marrying him as a promising young lawyer. Artie and Baby had three children. One of them was A.P., Artemis, Pierre Saxonly the IV they just running out of names here. They just called him AP. And, of course, AP was raised even more so with the finest of everything. AP went off to the same prestigious university that his father already went to. But something happened that was very unexpected while AP was there. He went on a weekend retreat with a campus ministry. Now, AP would tell you for all the years past this that the only reason he went is there was a really attractive girl that invited him. And so he decided to go. And, and the speaker that weekend talked about how you can have everything and yet kind of at the core feel empty. The speaker talked about how a relationship with God through the love of Christ fills our lives like nothing else and explained dynamics of the love of God through the gospel and what it means to, to have God in our lives. And intrigued by this, AP actually asked to speak personally and privately with the campus minister. And AP, fourth generation, wept in front of that campus minister in private as he revealed how empty his life really was and ap put his trust in christ in that same weeping moment with that campus minister the remaining years of college was such a joy for him ap rapidly grew in christ with his new christian friends and and after college, A.P. moved home, and now we're all at his father Artie's 55th birthday. His father Artie stood up, and, and he said, Artie did, The true meaning of life is family. Well, that sounds like something people would say, doesn't it? The true meaning of life is Family. To provide for your family, to make a name for your family, to pass that name on, and to love your family. And for us, Saxon Lee, he said, our pride and joy has always been our family. And we only wish that others might succeed and have what Baby and I have achieved and have. And then Baby asked all three children to uh, to respond And and stand in succession and honor their dad. And when it got to to AP, AP stood up. And he agreed that his dad and mom loved him so much. He agreed how blessed he was to have his father Artie. He agreed how blessed he was to have all the advantages that he had been provided for by, by his father and his mother. He agreed that he had an incredible heritage, and he especially honored his dad for all his dad meant to him. But then A.P. shocked the family. Artemis Pierre the Fourth, A.P., said that he felt bound to state what his primary source of actual meaning was in front of everybody. He said, My true meaning comes from the love of another person not in this room that I do not deserve to be loved by, and his name is Jesus Christ. He loved me so much that he gave his life for me. He forgave me. He made me his own. He is my primary meaning, and that's what gives all other people and all other things in my life real meaning and purpose as well. It is one reason I love my father more than I ever have. Because I've been loved by God, Jesus is my true meaning. And though greeted with southern politeness, that statement rocked the family. And it seemed to rile the, uh, the larger family almost more than it riled The nuclear family, because AP was beaming and you just could tell that he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He was just stating what was in his heart. Some were indignant. But baby started going with AP to, quote, AP's church. And baby came to Christ. And then AP's brother Sam came to Christ. And as our text would say, there's still room. Yes, the feast of God had come to the suburbs. The feast of God had come to those who already have all that they want. Some were too full, stuffing themselves with everything to feast on God's grace. Others realized they were actually empty and rejoiced in tasting the feast of God. So this story is about fine, able people, moral people even, who won't be in heaven. But the story isn't over with those who refuse the feast, the master's friends, you know, the Pharisees, his preachers, his, his, his really religious Jewish leaders. Now, we got to look at who is coming to dinner in this text. Verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master, and the master of the house, when his friends wouldn't come, became angry. And he said to his servant, Go out quickly, right now, go into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the, the servant did it. And the servant said, Lord, we, w- sir, we have commanded what you have commanded, we have done. And there's still room in, at the feast. And the master said, then, then go all the way out to the highways outside of town. And, and the country hedges way outside. And compel those people to come in. Because I want my house to be full. I tell you, none of those men who were invited... Will, ever taste of my banquet. So none of the Master's friends wanted to come, but you know, the people who came actually realized they were needy. The people who came not only realized they were needy, they couldn't believe they were invited. The people who came, you had to help them come. They couldn't walk. You know, lame lame people... Don't go out and see oxen here and there and yonder. They have to be carried to where they are, and and blind people, and the poor don't have to go see a tract of land they've bought, right? I mean, you understand what's going on with the the language here? These people realize they are needy. Oh these people are kind of considered losers by the the upstanding people by by the jewish people the master's friends they're considered kind of unclean they're 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 considered well have you did you notice the progression where it kind of goes from um from the the uh, the streets and lanes of the city those those are those are jewish people they're they're in the city you know they're they're close closer to the master and we wouldn't have invited them and they're invited in. And then did you notice it goes out to the highways and the hedges and way out to those foreigners? We wouldn't even want to touch them without washing our hands afterwards. Those Gentiles go out, find those people, bring them in. And these people can't believe it that they're invited. And they immediately see that the feast of God is so much greater than any kind of spread for meaning and and joy that they could put. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a feast compared to cold Spam sandwiches without mayonnaise, you know? It's like a feast compared to going to Sam's and eating samples. The feast of God. The feast of the grace of God is what they've been looking for their whole life. And look, A.P. was the son of an upstanding citizen. And A.P. said, I've never, I've had everything and I've never had this feast. And I can't believe I'm invited. William Hendrickson says the gospel contains everything that sinners need. There is nothing that sin-laden hearts can desire or weary consciences require that is not spread before us in abundance through the Savior. This feast is everything you've longed for. I remember watching an interview with Chuck Colson many years ago. He was one of Nixon's kind of henchmen. He was an attorney in the Nixon administration and everything kind of fell apart during Watergate and he had to go to prison. When he came to Christ, you know, he, he wasn't a, a believer, and this whole thing kind of rocked his world, and he, he came to Christ. And while he was in prison, he had this great idea. He said, you know, we need to minister to people in prison. And so he, he when he came out, he he established a ministry called Prison Fellowship. Incredible ministry to people in prison. But I, I remember watching an, an interview with him some years ago, reflecting on, on Prison Fellowship. You know, tell us how it started, et cetera, et cetera. And he, and he said he said, "I'll never forget asking a small group of believers in prison first time I ever got any of them together, "Why are you really here in prison?" And you know what they said? They didn't say Grand Theft Auto. This is a small group of believers. They said, "Because we sinned. Because we're sinners. Everybody knows we're sinners. <laughs> How refreshing how refreshing and um they got it and colson went on in that same interview to talk about how so many people on the outside of prison that he knows don't get it yeah jesus is saying the kingdom of god doesn't work the way you think it does i provide the feast you come and eat everything's ready And you know, when you have all you really need, you're able to give. There's a dynamic that the gospel begins to work in our lives. And you know, when you you have all you really need, you can enjoy everybody and everything for what they really are. And they are good things, but they're not the feast. And when you are secure and you have found rest for your souls... Because what Christ has done is is complete, you can reach out to those still in their self made storm, desperately trying to spread their own banquet to eat for meaning and peace. So I want to conclude by asking what about you? What is your functional feast of choice? You see that table before you? This morning, the feast is symbolized. Set before us on the command of Jesus that we might have this feast that is symbolic of that great feast. All is accomplished. All is prepared. All is ready. How blessed is the man who eats in the feast of the kingdom of God. you know The Lord's Supper is a reminder of the feast we have with Jesus right now. Because of what he's done. And the Lord's Supper is a call to be with the master of the feast. Right now. And commune with him in our great need. We can remember by faith and be strengthened in his grace. And we can reach out by faith. And be strengthened in his presence. It is time to celebrate why you are at this feast. Because none of the good people would come. And that's why you're here. God wanted you. If you put your trust in Jesus, God wanted you. God invited you. God will not hold back anything from you. That feast says God will give us all we need. He will fill you yet again through remembering and communing. And it will be for you if you belong to him by faith in what he's done. A foretaste of that great marriage supper, that great feast of the Lamb one day in the new Jerusalem with Jesus in his Father's kingdom. Come, let us keep the feast. Let's pray. Oh Lord, I pray that you caught us up short this morning. I pray that you confronted us like you confronted the Pharisees in that room. I pray that we would hear the words whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. I pray that we would hear the words how blessed is the one who eats the feast in the kingdom of God. Lord, we acknowledge that we did not deserve to be invited to the feast. But for all who see their need, for all who are tired of eating out of tin tin cans in the back alley and want to come to the table. You pray with me. Lord, I I see it. I can't do this. I've been stuffing myself. I've been trying to find peace and purpose and make my world upright and function like I want it to for years. And I, I want to give up. I want to turn from that and put my trust, Jesus, in what you have done for me. Thank you that even now I'm forgiven. Even now I belong to you. Even now this feast is mine. But Lord, there are many of us who have known you for some years. And all of us have stuffed ourselves and have become less hungry for the feast of grace. Oh God, oh God, would you shine the light of your Holy Spirit and the light of the truth of your word into our hearts, would you help us to see the futility of these self-made banquets that we sit ourselves down to? Lord, would you give us the faith to not only trust in the salvation that you gave us and that will never go away, but would you give us the faith to trust you that you are good, that we can walk with you and we can wait on you, and no good thing will you withhold from those who walk uprightly? with you. And oh Lord as we come to this feast that you've given would you help us to see that it is the feast. In Jesus name. Amen.